Hello, my podcast family. Welcome to Caregiving is a Ministry, where we look at the Word of God through the lens of caregiving. I hope you're doing well today. Today is our recap of Psalm 119. All 176, can you believe it? 76 verses. As we concluded yesterday, I congratulated you and I continue to congratulate you as we made it through this very lengthy, lengthy psalm. But what I want us to do is a recap of what we think the overall theme of this psalm was, what what the psalmist was trying to convey to us. Uh, I don't know if you recall, but our psalmist mentioned God's instruction in every section, all 22 of them. He spoke about keeping the commandments or the instructions or the precepts or the statutes, which he used interchangeably in every section. So what do you think the theme was? Should be pretty clear, right? The overarching theme of this psalm is really the importance of God's word and following it, our commitment to it. Verse 5 states, how I wish my ways were strong when it comes to keeping your statutes, which speaks to not only our psalmist's humanity, but ours. We will fail. (laughs) That's why we must continue to pursue God through his word. The psalmist discloses that he was in a an immigrant in a foreign land. Remember we talked about this um, psalm perhaps being written during their exile when the Babylonians took over. But my thing is, our psalmist was considered himself an immigrant, you know, in a foreign land. Are we not foreigners of this world? Yes, we are. So we can identify with our psalmist lamenting about what we see that's going on around us. Yet it does not give us license to not follow God's word and to not seek him, you know, to do our own thing, our own way, and decide that God's instruction is useless. No, we are reminded in verse 73 that God has made us and set us where we are. There isn't anything that occurs in our life, in our lives, that God doesn't allow or that he doesn't know about. It's either his divine will or his permissive will, and we've discussed that. This means that he's at work in every situation that we find ourselves in. And when those times are difficult, challenging, rough, and just don't make any kind of sense whatsoever, we are to continue to learn of God through his word. And we can be assured that he is working it out for our good and his glory. Life is not perfect. And no matter how perfect things may appear here on this earth, they are momentary. Verse 96 reminds us of this. It cautions us to enjoy the good things that God has allowed us to have now, but to always remember that this isn't our home and that one day this will pass away, that God will transition this world into a new place. And this verse of helps us keep think, putting things in their proper perspective and to prioritize accordingly. Within our committing ourselves to God, God's word and um, of the theme of this psalm, 
committing to following God, understanding that God's word never fails, that it is always enduring. There are also several subtitles that are under the overarching title of following God's word. And the first is to praise God in all circumstances. Despite the lament of this psalm, there is praise. Our psalmist speaks to his delight in God's word. He asks God to help him with spontaneous praise in verse 108. He says that his love for God's word that is deeply rooted in his heart. And all of these are forms of worship and praise to God. Despite his being an immigrant, despite the enemies who are seeking to destroy him, our psalmist still sought God and delighted in him, offering praise throughout the entire psalm. Second, there's a sub-theme of not shying away from God, but seeking God and crying out to him for answers, for help, for clarity. We are to take full advantage of our relationship with God through Christ because we now have direct access to him. Christ died so that we could have free, unlimited access to the Father. Why would we hold back and not engage with him? No, we have the privilege of being daughters and sons and can thoroughly enjoy a relationship with him. Do you, I don't want you to think that you're being mature when you think that you can do things on your own. Actually, you're being immature. The mature child understands that they need the parent. They need the parent's help. And God expects us to call on him for help because he knows that we will need it, right? Remember verse 5? <laughs> We're not perfect. We are going to need help. So why would we not engage in that dialogue? The third sub-theme is trust. Specifically trusting God when his response is delayed. What do you do when you've taken advantage of the access that you have as a daughter or son and you've gone to God seeking direction and answers and there's silence? What are we to do in the silence of God? First is to realize that just because God is silent, it does not mean that he has not acted. I think we misinterpret his silence all the time, or at least I do. You know, at first I thought it meant that the answer to my question was no until I asked him something else and I heard no. Then that led me to believe that perhaps he was mad or frustrated at the at my request because my request was dumb and, and he thought it didn't even warrant a response. Then I was reminded that, you know, sheep are dumb and the shepherd loves him anyway. Therefore, most of my requests are probably considered minor in the scheme of who God is. But because he loves me, there is no dumb question from his standpoint. I'm his child and I'm growing in him. And so he will answer my question. He will always give me a response because that's what a loving father does for his daughter. Lastly, the Holy Spirit revealed that the silence could mean that I wasn't ready for what I had requested or that other things outside of me had to be put in place first. Therefore, I am to wait. So God's silence is a time for us to grow in him, right? So that leads me to the second thing that we are to do when God is silent. And verse, verses 
139 through 143 kind of help us with this. And they read, anger consumes me because my enemies have forgotten what you've said. Your word has been tried and tested. Your servant loves your words. I am insignificant and unpopular, but I don't forget your precepts. Your righteousness lasts forever. Your instructions are true. Stress and strain have caught up with me, but your commandments are my joy. Your laws are righteous forever. Help me understand so I can live. Live. So when God is, God is silent, we are to wait, right? But in our waiting, we are to not be quiet. We are not to allow anger to consume us. Instead, we are to continue to praise God and to walk in the direction that he last provided, right? And to seek him. Our God may be silent, but we are still to praise him. We are still to do the spontaneous bursts of praise and song and trust him and to continue on the path that he has given us instruction to do. When you don't know what else to do, you go back to what was the last thing that God asked you to do and you continue to do that because maybe his silence means that you haven't finished with the first thing he's given you to do. So God can be silent, but we cannot. We still are to bring testimony to the goodness and how great God is. And lastly, our psalmist ends this extensive psalm with the verse, with verse 176 that reads, I've wandered off like a sheep. See, I told you sheep. <laughs> Lost. Find your servant because I haven't forgotten your commandments. Remember, we are sheep. <laughs> And we will wander, we will fall, and we will get lost. But if we have committed to learning of God, if we've surrendered our lives to Christ, and if we seek him daily, we can be rest assured that even though we may think we're lost, he knows exactly where we are and he's orchestrating things that bring us into the fullness of his glory and his goodness. To not get so downtrodden and upset and frustrated with the way life seems to be going in this season, this season of caregiving or whatever else you may be doing, that you think that you are lost to the point where God doesn't know where you are, but that you go back to what I learned when God is silent, when you've gone to him and petitioned him to help you with this situation and you have not seen any results, to understand that God has worked everything out and that the silence could mean that you're not ready for what you've requested or that it may not be in his will or that he's other things have to take place before what you have asked which is in accordance with his will it just may not be his timing and so you have to wait for the other pieces to come together for it to come to fruition no matter what the reason you are still to trust God we are still to put our faith in him to be like our psalmist was throughout this psalm to continually acknowledge the importance of God's word, to continually dedicate ourselves to learning God through his word, and to continue to cry out to him for help because we will need it, and to continue to praise him. That's what I got out of this psalm. 
And it helps me as I'm sure it helps you every day because we do need to be reminded that reading God's word is important because it, it'll get deep down into our hearts and what happens is then we start to live God's word. It, we internalize it and we live it. We start walking in the fruit of the spirit, right? We start being able to see things from a kingdom's perspective and maybe our anger comes down a little bit. Our sorrow um, dissipates a little bit because we can see things through a kingdom mindset. And that is my prayer for you, that you live the gospel of Jesus Christ in this season of caregiving like God used me to walk in those fruit of the spirits. I pray that you do as well. Know that God's lo- God loves you and I will see you tomorrow as we turn toward Psalm 120. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day and we thank you for allowing us to come to the end of this beautiful psalm that reminds us that you have written a love letter to us in the form of the Bible, both Old Testament and New Testament, that we see you and grow in you. And though we may not understand everything in your word, we come committing to learn, to grow, and to dedicate time to read your word so that your spirit in us can reveal what you're saying to us collectively as your kingdom and as individual sons and daughters. Help us to always prioritize you in our lives, to the reading of your holy scripture, to spending time with you in dialogue and prayer, to being able to recognize you in every situation of our lives. That is what we ask of you, Father, and we thank you for allowing us to come before you this day, expressing our love and our faith in you, and asking you to help us on this journey as we care give our loved ones that you have placed in our charge. Give us the strength to handle each day. Give us the foresight and the knowledge to ask the appropriate questions, to seek the assistance that we may need, and to put everything at your feet. Knowing that even though you've designated us as caregivers, you are the ultimate caregiver. Help everything be done in decency and in order as we care for the loved one you've placed in our charge. This we ask in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, my caregiving family, go and minister the act of caregiving in the name of Jesus. Bye.